Hi, I'm Mike. Hey, I'm Kelsey. We're into telling you stories. Sometimes funny, sometimes awkward, sometimes creepy or sad, but who knows? Every month it's different, but no matter what, you'll be asking yourself. Okay, WTF. Welcome, friends. Hey. Oh, hi. <laughs> I'm sick. No. Yeah. So our friends today will have to kind of put up with it. I feel like about half of the episodes I've actually been sick. <laughs> if you like go back and re-listen, I'm sure you can hear it. Because when we first started this podcast, I was sick a lot in the beginning. <laughs> so anyway. There were a lot of sniffs that I took out. Yes. I'm yeah, sure yeah. you're going to be doing that again for this episode. And it's if you good. happen to leave them in, just our listeners can just deal. What? Because he we, doesn't get sick. We don't have to be perfect? Mm, well, no. <laughs> progress mm. over perfection, Mike. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I just, we just traveled, as you mm -hmm. know, but others don't know. We, we went to California and, uh, inevitably upon return i got sick so and i know you just got over it too i'm so sorry summer sick is the worst kind of sick in my mind but agreed we'll get through it i do have to ask a question i feel like yeah listeners will be wondering since you did say you went to california uh did you try an irwan smoothie How did you know, Mike? I did. And actually, can you, is that how you pronounce that store? I thought so. That's how, like, okay. anytime I see it on TikTok um, or okay. YouTube, it's how it's I pronounced, but it could be wrong. No, you're probably right. I tried to explain it to Pat before we went, and ultimately I was like, it's the expensive, ridiculous <laughs> store. Um, it's yeah. spelled like this because I can't pronounce it. Um and we spent a lot of time trying to pronounce it together, but I, it never really dawned on me to just ask someone. So I, I'm glad I that you knew. I could listen to a podcast <laughs> episode of just that, of YouTube. Oh my like, gosh. Ari Wan. Ari Wan. What was so funny about the whole thing, though, is that, you know, like, it's all, like, new agey, yes. super expensive, whatever. Um, we both got, like, he got a juice, I got a smoothie. They came okay. in these, like, what kind of look like old school milk bottles, like glass yeah. milk, like heavy glass. Yeah. We also got some fruit and we, so we sat out on their patio and like drank our smoothie and juice and ate our fruit. And then when we were looking at the bottles, we're like, we can't imagine that we have to recycle these. Right. So we were looking at the bottles and it said that you can return them for a $2 deposit. Cause that's how expensive everything is. Right. Um, and so I was like, oh, cool. Why don't you just bring it back in and get the deposit for both of these bottles? And he's like, all right. So he went back in and he went up to the counter and was like, hey, I'd like to get my deposit for these bottles. And the girl had no idea what to do. She was like, that's never, no one's ever brought it back before. And I was like, oh my goodness. Single use glass. You got to watch out for it. So, and it's, it's like intense glass. Mm. So I was like, that's shocking. And so, you know, maybe she was new, who knows, but she was like, totally. And he came out and he's like, I had to recycle it because she literally <laughs> looked at me like a deer in the headlights. and was like, no one's ever actually returned it before. Ah, uh, so funny. <laughs> yeah. What a journey. What a journey. Speaking but, of journeys. Yes. Segway. I don't know. <laughs> the journey we're on today with OKWTF. Yes. That one. Okay. Well, <laughs> shall I dive in? If you would like to, I don't want to rush anything if you're oh, feeling no, no, it. No, I'm just blabbing on. Um <laughs> I'm happy to dive in. This is a good one today. I've got kind of a fun one, I guess. Ooh. Um I think it probably depends on your definition of fun. I, I wouldn't say fun in the like joyful, exciting way, but more like fun in the ridiculous OKWTF kind of way. Like but it. it also ends with a dating story from a few years ago. So that's uh, got to be fun. Right? <laughs> this is, I am hooked in for sure. So um, without further ado, from the darkest corners of the internet to late night talk shows, <laughs> this conspiracy theory has kind of slithered its way into modern culture. 
Um, it's captivated minds of both curious, skeptical, um, and my story today is a labyrinth of lizard-like intrigue, exploring the origins, claims, and captivating allure of the reptilian conspiracy and associated shapeshifters. Yes. Wait a minute. <laughs> you were just out in California, which isn't that one of the homes of the reptile overlords. How do I know? Uh, how do you know? That you are the Kelsey I know and love. <laughs> do I look like a lizard person? <laughs> I think that's the whole thing. Maybe we can learn today how we can differentiate between lizard person and human. I don't know if uh, we'll be able to do that. A human biologic. <laughs> I think you might know more about this than I do. <laughs> I'm not really just that I know the theory exists and I cannot. Oh my God. Or the rabbit so hole that bizarre. But I think we also, as we move along, need to understand the California side of this because I did this pre-California trip and um, I don't think I know what you're referencing as far as I remember, but honestly, I put together this research. It feels like so long ago. Um, so we'll find out, <laughs> but you can jump in with it. Yes. So let's set the stage with shapeshifters. So from ancient myths to kind of these modern conspiracies, depending on who you ask, these elusive and imaginary beings and really their enduring impact on our human culture. I say human culture <laughs> because it's different. Um, and often the more rogue kind of corners of human culture, at least, are really undeniable. Um, first, let's kind of talk a bit more about, or let's talk a bit about some like various origins of shapeshifting. Um and similar types of historical transformations that maybe okay. we wouldn't really call shape-shifting, but uh, similar. So right. one of the first known, here, I'm going to add the slide here. Oh, Whoa. my sources. Oh, oh my God, so many sources. I totally uh, forgot. You are a well, fool. You're definitely a okay. reptile. <laughs> I'm a reptile. A real human Kelsey would have uh, done this first. But now you know the topic. So now here's all the millions of sources. Hmm. There's a lot here. You can find these in our show notes, which is the PowerPoint linked in the notes for wherever you're streaming this. I have sources from Ishtar and Mesopotamian mythology, werewolves, history, folklore, and modern representations, skinwalkers and Navajo culture. I underworld can't wait for the next series. one. Yes. The underworld, <laughs> underworld film series. Um, reptilian conspiracy theories, shapeshifter beliefs in their origins, cryptozoology. Oh my God, I can't read all these. There are so many. So many. If you would like to see all of the lovely resources and sources we've got, check out that document, which also has our accompanying pictures. So one of the first known mentions of shapeshifting occurred in ancient civilizations. So in Mesopotamia, which is modern-day Iraq, the uh, goddess Ishtar, who's the goddess of love, sexuality, mm -hmm. and war, which is so funny that all of those things are one, but I guess it makes sense. They're kind of the antithesis of one another, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but she, this goddess displayed a penchant for transformation, shifting between human and animal forms regularly. Meanwhile, in Greek mythology... Uh, Zeus, the god of the sky, uh, had amorous escapades often involving assuming, you know, different animal guises as well. So I've got a picture of Ishtar as like a statue, a stone carving. Um, mm. And then I also have one of Zeus. And then there's a variety of forms that Zeus took <laughs> that are all kind of here, like a swan, a snake, an eagle, golden rain, not an animal, yep. but we'll put it here, a bull. Um, a satire 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 satyr. thank you what is that a, a human uh, goat person goat person thank you maybe you should have done this <laughs> <laughs> um uh a bird and um true brilliance that was my favorite when i was doing this because i'm like yeah what even? just like uh, <laughs> this like and then it's funny because then there's just at home. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, I like the uh, oh the censorship little the censor <laughs> yeah I, 
the yes, genitalia. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So um really like this has been uh, shape shifting in different forms is is has been a part of like folklore and all this for a very long time. But no exploration of shapeshifters is honestly complete without delving into the world of werewolves. <laughs> so yeah. From Europe to Asia, stories of humans turning into wolves have kind of captivated people's imaginations for truly centuries. Um, but beware, for beneath the moonlit tales lie a deep undercurrent of fear and fascination. <gasps> anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> what a ridiculous person I am. Um, uh, shapeshifters. Oh, yeah, and I've got some images of uh, different werewolf-type depictions drawings here uh mm -hmm. throughout the times and there was i believe it i'm trying to i think it was a movie the werewolf um maybe it was a book but i don't remember this was too long ago but uh clements hausman um and so yeah just kind of some images here of various werewolves if you are maybe like super religious and not allowed to know what that is you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast but if yeah. you happen to find yourself here <laughs> and you are um curious there you go so if you're aware curious <laughs> if you're aware if you're aware curious if you're shapeshifter aware curious i think we um, found the title of the episode early <laughs> shapeshifter aware curious oh we're curious i'm dead um so interestingly, too, shapeshifters also hold a special place in indigenous folklore. So um, the Native American skinwalker and actually unrelated to, well, the Japanese kitsune are kitsune. two examples. Yeah. Kitsune? Okay. Mm -hmm. Are just kind of two examples of these transformative entities um, and each have their own unique cultural significance and symbolism. So in Navajo culture, a skinwalker is a type of harmful witch who has this ability to turn into, um, possess or disguise themselves as an animal. Um, this term in Navajo culture is never used for healers. And according to Wikipedia, in Japanese folklore, kitsune are foxes that possess paranormal abilities um, that kind of increase as they get older and wiser. So... Um, According to Yokiai folklore, all foxes have the ability to shapeshift into human form. Um, and some folktales speak of kitsune using this ability to trick others, as foxes and kind of a lot of folklore have that like tricky little uh, yeah. aspect to them. Um, other stories portray them as like really faithful guardians, friends, lovers. So who knows? <laughs> okay, WTF. Um, <laughs> Pop culture's fascination with shapeshifters is pretty undeniable, um, clearly, as evidenced by how many years ago we've been turning people into human or people into animals, et cetera, or <laughs> ideas. Um, yeah. And the silver screen has really embraced this allure. So there are classics like An American Werewolf in London, mm -hmm. um, and then there's the modern take Underworld, and filmmakers have really continued to explore this kind of intricate dance between humanity and transformation of humanity. So ultimately the advent of the internet and digital media has really brought shapeshifter theories into this kind of modern day spotlight. Um, there's rumors, extraterrestrial reptilian overlords, internet memes, um, really the conspiracy theories uh, and satire often blur the lines between reality and people's imagination, which is why so much of this is really dependent upon who you ask. Um, so that's kind of like a very like condensed version, condensed version of like kind of starting from the beginning to more present day pop culture and where shapeshifters come in mm -hmm. on the screen. We've got um, a few different things I'll talk about in just a second, but um, so What's fascinating to me about this belief in shapeshifters is that it's pretty widespread across um, cultures and communities, yeah. um, but mostly it's just fascinating to me to kind of understand what draws people into this realm of shapeshifter belief, or really any fringe beliefs for that matter. Um, for some, it kind of seems like a fascination with ancient myths and legends that kind of like 
hints at the possibility of like an otherworldly being that's kind of floating among us. Um, and for others, I really truly have no idea. Like it's, which is, we'll talk later in the dating story. <laughs> yes. Um, wait. Oh my God. I cannot yeah. wait now. It's I haven't told even you better. about it. I don't think uh, so. Okay. Okay. Well, there's a population of people who study this possibility and I really mean study it. So cryptozoologists mm-hmm. um, are really dedicated to investigating hidden and undiscovered creatures. Um, but within this community, there's even really a subset of people who like passionately explore shape-shifting entities uh, from skinwalkers to extraterrestrial beings. Um, and these believers delve really deeply into this like uncharted territory where that kind of myth and reality intertwine. So to really understand the global appeal of shapeshifters' beliefs, it's really important to explore this through kind of more of a cultural lens, um, because that tends to be how a lot of these phenomena are viewed or how people come to know them. So as mentioned before, um, a part of indigenous culture, um, it was also intertwined with spiritual practices. And then this kind of narrative started to infiltrate mainstream and it became really strong so strong to a subset i don't mean like everyone walking out there if you were to be like hey what's the reptilian race like a a good amount of people would be like what are you saying to me but anyway (laughs) um so of course the internet right this has become a breeding ground for communities of shapeshifter enthusiasts i'm sure it's like if you go on like r slash shapeshifter or something on reddit you'll find some wild stuff i did not do that because i hold could on not... uh, i'm subscribing oh, to no. that right now Thank you. <laughs> or you might also want to subscribe to r slash lizard people i'm sure that one's probably bomb um uh, <laughs> but oh, like oh i can't even imagine i should have gone on but i was like you know there's just a certain point in time where you have to like step away <laughs> yeah and Reddit is that threshold for me sometimes because I'm just like, what is happening? But, you know, these online forums and social media um, websites where kind of all of these like-minded people um, come together to share their experiences, their theories, and even purported evidence, purported being the important word there. Yes. So when delving into the personal stories of some of these believers, it really reveals a sort of like mosaic of experiences. Um, Some claim to have witnessed transformations firsthand, while others draw from these oral traditions that have been passed down through generations. A quick internet search will really unveil all kinds of conspiracy theories that um, claim that many famous people or political Mm. figures are actually shapeshifters infiltrating our communities uh in the public unconscious that's kind of where i had to draw my line i was like this is just too much like this is too heavy okay wtf and i was like yeah i have enough things to worry about let's not fall down you can't (laughs) fill too many slides with all the people who should be oh it's everyone (laughs) it's literally every single person um So as with many fringe beliefs, the world of shapeshifter diehards is not without its critics. So skeptics, of course, question the lack of concrete evidence and suggest that these experiences might be more so influenced by cultural conditioning or psychological factors. Um, Clearly, belief systems are as diverse as the human experience itself. Um, And the world of those who passionately advocate for the existence of the shapeshifters is really a a testament to the power of imagination from my perspective um yeah. <laughs> the allure of the unknown uh the enduring human desire to really uncover truths beyond what might feel very mundane um and really i just think maybe all of us need some more hobbies <laughs> but you know so let's transition slightly into one specific aspect of shapeshifter beliefs and that's the reptilian conspiracy also known as the reptilian race you may also hear it as like lizard people um but the roots of the reptilian conspiracy are you aware of the reptilian conspiracy specifically i know i know probably more than i should but you might know still I know. More like i know like general kind of okay. of it but i think you're gonna fill in a lot of gaps for me here we'll see <laughs> we'll see um so <laughs> the roots of this conspiracy theory really can be traced back to the person i've got on uh the screen right now in our powerpoint 
um, David, I want to say it's Ike or something. I, I saw it and I was supposed to put it in parentheses and I'm notoriously terrible with this. It's a middle-aged <laughs> white man named David. I'm going to say Icky because it's Icky, but no, <laughs> no judgment. He's given the ick. Yeah. Yeah. So David... Um, he's an English British conspiracy theorist and a former footballer and sports broadcaster, which was hilarious. Um, he popularized the theory of this reptilian conspiracy in the 1990s. And what's so fascinating is he's also banned from some countries for his really like super bizarre and sometimes harmful <laughs> rhetoric. So, okay. yes, according to Wikipedia, he's written over 20 books. Uh, self-published <laughs> since the mid-1990s, uh, some of which are on the screen, such as Children of the Matrix, uh, Remember Who You Are, and The Truth Shall Set You Free, and The Biggest Secret. So you can kind of see a theme here. Um, so <laughs> it's just so funny to me. His claims assert that powerful, shape-shifting, reptilian, extraterrestrial beings have infiltrated human society to manipulate and control uh, and this has really sparked both fascination and disbelief. Um, so according to this conspiracy, numerous prominent figures have been accused of being reptilians in disguise. Among the accused are political leaders. Um, let me see if I've got the celebrities, uh, royal family members. Um, and while some believe that odd <laughs> facial expressions or behavior indicate true nature, skeptics point out that these claims can be attributed to lighting camera angles or just simple quirks um i also think there's like an undertone of ableism to this in some regard as well um mm. because it as i was like going through this i was like well then wouldn't anyone think that like anybody that looks different than themselves could be which is like both there's undertones of racism ageism <laughs> ableism to all of yeah. the reptilian from my perspective because if you are someone who experiences what might be considered a quote-unquote quirk to someone it might actually be a disability and that mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're a part of an extraterrestrial overlord race so anyway i was thinking a lot about that as we were going through but on the screen there was a protest at some point where someone held up a sign do we really need another reptilian shapeshifter as president um <laughs> the image of a reptile of sorts and then this idea someone had drawn an idea of like a human um on one side and that human kind of transitioned into a reptile which is just so funny to me yeah i mean <laughs> they could have put in a little bit more effort and made it like you remember the animorphs <laughs> from when we were kids yes like if you if you can make it like the animorph like yeah like like show progression mm -hmm. yeah it's the most simple drawing that you'll ever see but it's just also so funny to me i'm like really this is okay <laughs> whatever um, there are their body parts i won't say which on in the drawing where Mail. it's very clear to me that like a man drew this and was like, see, yeah. these reptiles are way worse than humans. Yeah, the male genitalia is a lot smaller in depiction on the uh reptile yeah. human. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's a but the reptile has some really interesting looking abs. So I don't know. Maybe are those, those are abs or gills? Who knows? I don't actually know, but and they also seem to be quite um, bulky. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. So at the heart of this belief system, according to Ohio State University's, quote, the psychology of extraordinary beliefs, end quote, um, they said, according to the lizard people theory, bloodthirsty reptilian aliens first arrived on Earth in ancient times. Since then, these beings have been merging with humans through, this, through the manipulation of DNA, as well as interbreeding with the human population. The goal of this process was to gain control of the world by obtaining positions of power and influence, royalty, politicians, popular entertainers, etc., and that they assume approximately 4% of Americans believe in the lizard people theory. One of the most notable theorists being this David person, David the Mr. Ick, um, and he's written, of course, as you said, several books in which he provides quote unquote evidence and further explanation 
This theory seems to have been most popular in the early 2000s with a steady number of believers remaining to this day. Fascinating. Also, I think it's really interesting. It just kind of like speaks to the need for people to explain problems in our surroundings. Like, I don't know if something's not going well or going the way that you want it. It's like, you can believe anything if you tell yourself something enough times. Right. So as I like look through some of the stuff, I was just like, this is just another, it feels like another situation where people are unable to explain why the world is so atrocious right now, even though there's many factors and reasons as to why. So they try to find an explanation that's plausible to them that explains away any human cause for this. And it's like, no, we're actually terrible. And that's why (laughs) it's like, we don't need to breed with a reptile to be terrible. Yeah. Do you know why I find this so fascinating? And I was just thinking about it and sorry for this tangent, if it goes nowhere, but um, (laughs) so I, one of my things is I love like the history of storytelling, like the anthropology of it. Um, And those stories were always told to kind of tell us why, like what thunder was, and it was Thor. Like it was, uh, why does it rain? Why does all of these different things happen? Because we don't have a real explanation for it. So this is like a modern day version of humans yeah. still doing what they've always done, which is we don't understand yes. why this is happening. So Let's it has sense. to be something supernatural or beyond our control. Yes. Uh, handle. And that just is like such a full circle moment to me that I'm just like, this is yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's the psychology of, it's also like a search for community. I really think it's like yeah. twofold. trying to explain something that, doesn't have an easy explanation or that puts people at the heart of the problem, which a lot of people don't want to face or believe. And second, trying to find a community, you know, people who often struggle to do so. It's like why you see people become um, so extreme in any direction. Yeah. um, Is often because they're seeking some sort of sense of community and are easily kind of roped into certain things why people join cults. Like it's so yep. fascinating. Totally but... cool. Oh, sorry. I had to go on. No, that no, no. No, please, please. We love the tangents. Um, I've also got uh <laughs> some funny things, some memes that I found here because um you know, skeptics and scientists have widely discredited the reptilian conspiracy due to surprise lack of concrete evidence uh the theory rests like heavily on anecdotes blurry images interpretations of symbolic references you name it and really a lot of things actually attributed said critical thinkers quote unquote argue that the burden of proof lies on those proposing extraordinary claims um but as with any conspiracy theory um it's kind of received ridicule so going back to the skeptics tons of internet memes and satirical content have flooded social media platforms turning what was once a serious assertion into this kind of comical sideshow yes i have a couple of those memes here uh with someone kind of saying conspiracy theorists i did some research and was blown away by the evidence and then the evidence is just like really chaotic uh (laughs) with a response to it you'll have to come on and check it out but um another one imagine following me because you think i'm funny then boom 83 posts in a row of reptilian people conspiracy (laughs) theories um and then there's one showing like a political figure as a reptile and it says overlords apologize will reset simulation to 2015 Uh, and you know it's a it's like a news article or whatever so there's lots of them out there this is just some that really made me truly laugh out loud um but um, psychologists suggest that the allure of the reptilian conspiracy will stem from deep-seated fears and anxieties, kind of some stuff we were talking about that, mm-hmm. um, and that our ancestors struggled against real predators, and that may have contributed to a fascination with the idea sure. of hidden powerful enemies. Yeah. Um, so in some ways, that theory taps into primal instincts. And again, as we talked about, it offers an explanation for a complex world. So, um, this is a long one. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's fascinating. So much. It's inc- mine's so super much. short, so it balances out. Oh, perfect. Um, 
so let's kind of talk about pop culture a little bit more. Um, the reptilian conspiracy has wormed its way into pop culture. Um, and it became, as we talked about before, you know, uh, in movies, TV shows, music videos. Um, and that kind of helps to keep this theory alive and stoke the fire and continues to blur that line uh, between fact and fiction. But conspiracy theories have a knack for infiltrating the collective consciousness. Um and none has slithered its way <laughs> like that, quite like the reptilian conspiracy. So from Hollywood blockbusters to viral internet memes, as I showed you, the idea of shape-shifting reptilian overlords has really left this mark on pop culture. And in there's uh, tons of articles that talked about, um, you know, how reptilian conspiracy is woven into the fabric of entertainment. So one of them is uh, in 1983, there was something called V. And then in 1988, there's something called They Live. And those were television and movies uh, examples that have taken a keen interest in weaving conspiracy narratives into their storylines. Um, but apparently, no tale was captured in the imagination quite like V, where basically extraterrestrial reptilian visitors infiltrate Earth, which is really eerie in terms of how it echoes this conspiracy theory so deeply. And mm. then, you know, all of a sudden, a few years later, we have this like, 20 books from ick and all this stuff so just fascinating um and then of course the x-files the infamous tagline the truth is out there it delved into numerous paranormal conspiracies and the reptilian theme was no exception there's an episode detour where agents scully and Mulder confront a forest dwelling reptilian creature and that blurred the lines between scientific investigation and supernatural speculation um but of course pop culture is not limited to visual media so uh music <laughs> iconic bands like muse uh have incorporated references to the reptilian conspiracy in their lyrics while david bowie's alter ego ziggy stardust could easily be misinterpreted as a scaly visitor from the beyond <laughs> um and knowing david bowie well i don't know him but knowing about you know his vibe i wouldn't yeah it past him that he could be one of the blurred lines of maybe i believe this maybe i'm making fun of you but anyway um so the internet, the reptilian conspiracy um, experiences kind of digital revival. So with it kind of having started in the, sorry, and uh, um, the, you know, the 80s, we saw it really kind of start coming into media more and more. Um, then, you know, the internet comes along not too long after. And that's really where it, the ideas started reviving more and word kind of got spread more that's where you start seeing memes that featured celebrities and it started kind of going all over social media platforms um and you know it's persistent it's i've had stuff like this just like pop into my feeds in different ways before like not a lot of it because i don't really engage with this i'm sure i'm gonna get targeted for some weird stuff now but you know um you know actually even the animated entertainment um series south park Yes. uh you know it's the simpsons they've kind of cheekily referenced this theory um and really capitalized on its widespread recognition specifically for comedic effect so all that to say the reptilian conspiracy has left its mark on film music television and just the digital landscape and while it's easy to dismiss these references as jokes or storytelling devices they serve as a testament to the enduring allure of conspiracy theories and the human fascination with the unknown um, whether you take it seriously or with a pinch of salt, the scales of the reptilian conspiracy continue to live on. I've totally peppered this with puns. As if you <laughs> um, and probably are believed by more people than you think. And you yeah. honestly won't know until it randomly comes out. And that's where I'm going to talk about my dating story. Yes. <laughs> I've really never told you about this. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, I... my Oh. You, maybe you did and it's uh, it was so traumatic oh. like i experienced <laughs> the trauma for you that oh i oh my gosh that i must have blocked it out but i'm gonna come into this with a fresh mind i can't wait <laughs> i will keep this short and sweet because really it needs no major introduction but so i had no real like cog cognitive like um, aware idea of the reptilian race like I've seen some of these things I mentioned some of the mm. tv shows and things but I never really like 
spent time thinking about this because I was like, ha, 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 you know, like, it's just, it's not my cup of tea. So I never, and I don't have many conspiracy theory friends. So I, it's not something that I talk about or think about. Um, but prior to my amazing husband, um, I, like many, uh, was just absolutely enjoying all of the lovely dating apps that are out there. <laughs> and one of the, I say that very lightly, it was such a nightmare. Um, but one of the people I went on a date with, uh, we had talked for a little bit. He seemed totally cool. Um, we ended up meeting at a, um, a, a brewery kind of festival thing outside a bunch of people. Um, had a great time. We're walking around. He was totally normal. Um, at the end of that, he was like, are you hungry? Do you want to go get food? And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's fine. I had plans later, but it was totally fine. Um, so we went to a restaurant that actually just announced they were closing down, which is super sad. But I also feel like with them closing down and this episode here, we're bringing <laughs> this chapter to a close here. Yeah. Um, but so <laughs> so funny to me. Um, so this restaurant, we we go in, we sit down, we're looking at the menu. Um, it was super busy, so we were one lucky to have a table, but two like, you know, we're just chatting and looking at the menu. And uh, oh man, I don't remember what exactly spawned the conversation, but he basically started talking to me about um when he was a child he rem he kind of like was asking like if I you know know anything about lizard people and I was like what like I was laughing at first I was like oh I don't I don't know what you're talking about um and then he started going seriously into a conversation about how I don't know if he thought it's because someone nearby was a, a lizard or something like that but anyway he starts going into the story about when he was younger he was traveling somewhere in a car with his parents and he was in the back seat and he remembers being at a stoplight and a car pulled up to the right of them. And there is a man in the driver's seat and a woman in the passenger seat and the woman in the passenger seat looked like a lizard. And the man was totally shocked and like freaking out and sitting there. And he was, he saw this whole thing happened and was like, totally like went on and on about it. And I just remember being like, oh my God, Kelsey, get out, get out, get out. And I was like so freaked out because this this guy believed every single thing he was saying. He was so invested oh. in it. And the whole time I'm sitting there and I'm like, what just spawned this to do I give off some sort of weird conspiracy vibes that like, yeah, this is a conversation I would enjoy having. And then three, like of all times, he seemed totally normal until this point. So this is the first and only time that I've done this, but I told him I had to go to the bathroom and I left. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was forever grateful that we drove in separate cars and I felt bad, but I also did not feel bad because I truly was like, I do not feel safe. <laughs> like what is going on? Yeah. And I think the weirdest part for me is that it did not come out in any other type of conversation it was like suddenly he felt comfortable talking to me and <laughs> yeah. that is the conversation he decided to have and yeah. he was so passionate about it yeah. and I was like I'm equally as passionate about not that <laughs> I was like so <laughs> the only time uh. I have ever left without saying something I'd left dates before being like you know what this isn't I'm not feeling it I'm just gonna get yeah. on out it's not worth it but yeah. I have never ghosted someone in real life but I was like I don't know if this would go well yeah. and I'd rather be rude than murdered <laughs> so yeah. here we are anyway and that wraps up uh shapeshifters the reptilian race aka lizard people thank you for Man. coming to my OKWTF <laughs> you just dropped that bomb there's <laughs> No matter what I say, nothing can follow that. Oh my god! I doubt it. Oh, I wow. doubt it. If I know, you were right? on, if you were on one of those like "Am I the asshole?" videos, have you seen those on like TikTok or Reels or anything? No. Oh, so like people write in and are like, "Am I the asshole?" and there's usually like a subject line like I ghosted someone. So then they're like, oh, that's not cool. But then like they go through the story 
and slowly they're like oh they would totally be like absolutely uh you i would hope so (laughs) yeah i just i'm a true crime fanatic in terms of like listening to different things and like you know whatever and so i listen to a lot of podcasts about true crime and just in general and yeah um you know there's a lot of them where it's like it's okay to be rude if you don't feel safe and i i I do think about that lightly because i don't want to or i just think about it deeply because i don't want to like silence someone yeah because who knows anything about anything but this was too weird and the passion this man had about this and the fact that i had no inkling of this beforehand i was like nope this is a moment to feel like you know what it's okay to be rude like i'm gonna be rude for my own safety so sometimes you just have to take those chances uh and go with your gut and i did i did go with my gut so (sighs) yeah yeah you made the right call i think um thanks my friend boundaries (laughs) yeah (laughs) safety first (laughs) uh yeah how how to transition into my story uh i don't i don't have any i don't have any date stories like that um so i'll say hey you talked about shape changers including werewolves what uh in some lore makes werewolves uh transition from thing to thing it's the moon and today, we're going to talk about the Great Moon Hoax of 1835. Hey. Ooh, I like this. And Silly likes this, too, because she has just joined us Ooh, for this Silly. podcast episode. Look at her. Look at this angel. Where is she? Oh, you can't see her. Anyway, <laughs> she's uh, shape-shifting right now. <laughs> Perfect. Watch out. Okay. Uh, so we're gonna do some story sources uh, because I'm not a lizard person, and I remember to say it at the front of the story. Yes, you've caught me. <laughs> no going back. So uh, we're doing some um, folklore, folk life, um, government websites about the Great Moon Hoax. Uh, we got the Great Wikipedia, of course, both talking about the Great Moon Hoax and John Herschel, uh, who we will get into. History.com, Britannica.com, Smithsonian, The Guardian, uh, a few other places. So, like I said, today's story, we're uh, we're taking a journey back in time to the year 1835. An extraordinary (laughs) event took place, wonderful, uh, that captured the imaginations of people around the world. Before we plunge into the hoax itself, I'm going to set some stage work here. Uh, it's the early 19th century, a time of rapid scientific discovery and exploration. Uh, people are all around the world are eager to learn more about the world uh, that they live in. And uh, newspapers at this point are a pretty much primary source of information. There was some excitement about the return of, um, I always called it Comet, uh, Comet Haley, but I think it might be Halley. I think we I saw think it yeah, I think it's Halley. Yeah. yeah. I think it is Halley. So that was expected uh, in the fall of that uh, that year. In the world of philosophy, we had uh, a Scottish minister, amateur astronomer, and an author, Reverend Thomas Dick. Uh, he was making imaginative claims about intelligent life in other worlds or uh, our own solar system. Uh, he had calculated a population of over 21 trillion to exist just that's very in, specific in our area yeah i know like any I, like vibes of the reptilian people in this uh not reptilian uh there will oh. be other uh, types of things going on i just have to say it's so funny to me that we're on a similar wavelength sometimes yeah. for some of these yeah it's weird totally, yeah i love it when i saw werewolves in the story sources i'm like what's happening because uh, <laughs> i was like oh my god great moon hoax that's perfect. too weird <laughs> I love it. Um, so this was a time of exciting events. Um, theories and claims were all over the place. Uh, stories played about curiosity, about astronomy, and they could sell newspapers. Summer of 1835, the New York Sun, a prominent newspaper of the time, published a series of articles that would change the course of history. Our first stop 
is learning a bit about the British astronomer, Sir John Herschel. Uh, on my screen, you can see him on the left-hand side. I thought that was uh, Einstein for a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Einstein. Yes. Mm. Quick note about Herschel, why his name carried such weight. He was one of the founders of the Royal Astronomical Society. He invented the concept of the blueprint and the cyanotype, and that's what I have on the screen as well. Um, that's one of his cyanotypes. He was mathematician, uh, chemist, botanist, inventor, photographer, among many other things. He named seven of Saturn's moons and four of Uranus's. Um, and here's a fun side tangent fact. His dad, Sir William Marshall, was the person who discovered Uranus. So let's head back to 18... 18- wait, wait is, that, oh. is that how it's pronounced? I like saying Uranus. What? Because the other one is like a uh, Uranus. <laughs> and blah, 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 blah. Uh, I love it. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Childhood <laughs> trauma, being bullied. I like slides. I'm a child. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, I don't like to bully you. So. No, okay. Uranus or Uranus, however you like to say it. <laughs> uh, now, after that rude interruption, oh, <laughs> back to 1835. Um, the first article was published on August 25th, and according to the story, Herschel and an entirely fictional Dr. Andrew Grant had observed the moon through a new and fancy telescope and had found evidence of a lush, vibrant lunar landscape. The articles described exotic creatures, ancient temples, and even humanoid bat-like creatures living on the moon. Oh. So on my screen, uh, I have uh, part of the first article on the left-hand side, and on the right is like an artist's rendering of what the all the different ones were. There are so very many, and I, I could not talk about all of it, so I'm just going to uh, reference just pieces throughout. Um, but honestly, there is like an audiobook's worth <laughs> amount of stuff in there. It's crazy. Um <clears throat> So, uh, from the article, and I quote, We will state at once that by means of a telescope of vast dimensions and an entirely new principle, the younger Herschel, at his observatory in the Southern Hemisphere, had already made the most extraordinary discoveries in every planet of our solar system. He has attained a distinct view of objects in the moon fully equal to that which the naked eye commands of terrestrial objects at the distance of a hundred yards, and has affirmatively settled the question whether this satellite be inhabited and by what order of beings. Uh, so there are some examples that I'm going to be giving you of his discoveries in the articles. I'm scared. It's so wonderful. All right. So <laughs> uh, on my screen, we got lunar animals. And I encourage you to, to look at this as I start describing some things. So. The aforementioned man-bats, they were described as the most intelligent inhabitants on the moon. Um, There was even a Latin term coined for them called Vespiritilio Homo, or man-bat. They're said to have built ornate crystal temples and used fire for various purposes. They were depicted as having very expressive faces, um, erect postures, and had an advanced society. Um, very Lord of the Rings vibes in this image, by the way. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. You're like, oh, those are the gates of Sauron. Um, anyways, <laughs> we won't go down that route because I can talk about Lord of the Rings forever. Um, <laughs> but speaking of Lord of the Rings, there are also unicorns that were on the moon. Ooh. Because everywhere needs unicorns. Oh, yeah. Um, we had beavers, but oh not gosh, just oh. any beavers. Uh-oh. Uh, oh, no. We had the ones on the moon, they don't have any tails, and uh, they oh. walk on two legs. They're bipedal. Huh. Okay. So they had to be beavers? Okay. They had to be Not beavers humans? without tails. <laughs> okay. Um, there it. were uh, many amphibious creatures. Uh, most lived in the moon's oceans, uh, because there were oceans, of course, huh. and like lush tropical landscapes. Absolutely. Um, and these uh, water creatures were so translucent, you could see their internal organs 
And remember, this is from a telescope on the Earth that you can (laughs) see all of this. Uh, And then various vegetation. Uh, Moon's landscape was said to be covered with lush vegetation, including colorful trees, like with purple fronds and all different types of parks and uh, fields of vibrant flowers. These descriptions painted a picture of a thriving and diverse ecosystem. (laughs) imagination truly it's, it is uh, wonderful where's uh, that telescope and what drugs was this guy taking Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Look> us up <laughs> my date was probably taking the same thing probably i mean <laughs> he might know all about this uh, uh maybe oh the reptilian creatures like came from the moon when it was like close oh, or maybe, i like right. that r slash shapeshifters get in there mike i ship it um i don't know if that applies because i'm old um (laughs) (laughs) so as you can imagine uh these claims spread like wildfire unlike today when people verify sources and news articles Mm. um readers were both (laughs) astonished and enthralled by the vivid descriptions of life on the moon but there was a twist kelsey Mm -mm always a you know, twist there the entire thing was a hoax crafted by what? the newspaper editor richard yeah. adams lock not be serious oh so i believed every word oh. uh richard adams lock was a master of his craft uh he used the mix of scientific terminology and fictional storytelling uh to create a plausible narrative and the articles went into like meticulous detail about the moon's supposed geography, like actually using real scientific terms for things. Um, and sometimes they were invented Latin names for the discoveries. So all of these descriptions of life on the moon just like captured people's imaginations because of how real it sent and because Herschel's name was attached to it. Most people were like, oh, like, of course. So people have always been falling for disinformation for a while disinformation reigns supreme in this world uh even the scientific community was fascinated and we're thinking all about possible life on other (laughs) celestial bodies um and it doesn't it wasn't as implausible then as it might seem to us today thinking about how those people were and this cultural backdrop made the hoax all the more convincing people wanted to believe it so it fed into so many things remember like uh 15 years in 15 years from the 1835 you're gonna have jules verne like one of the um major sci-fi fantasy authors like capturing this imagination and he was playing to this exact crowd so scientists theologians and philosophers were uh, drawn into a debate of like, well, what does this mean? Like they were having ethical arguments about what it meant to have all of these creatures. And some were skeptical from the start. Um, others took the claim so seriously. And as the days passed and more and more of these articles were published, doubts started to emerge. Like other astronomers with their own telescopes couldn't replicate what Herschel's findings were. Um, you don't they, uh, say. Yeah, no, so they were starting to be like, uh, we're not seeing what you're seeing. <laughs> uh, but, like, people were still on the fence about it. The New York Sun's circulation spread and soared, but also the controversy started more and more. And on September 16th, 1835, after six articles had been published, Uh, The New York Sun finally revealed the truth that the articles were fiction. Um, Locke confessed to the hoax, explaining that he had created the story as a satirical commentary on the gullibility of the public and sensationalism of the media. So he designed it as a test, and it worked. Scary, Um, isn't it? Absolutely scary that he was like, I think I know... I think I know exactly how people are going to react. So let me do it. Do you also have any inkling of like 
he really just had like an uh-oh moment and was like, <laughs> I gotta pedal this back. And it's how can I make it all about other people and not me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, um, but that's particularly good writing. Uh, if I uh, mean, isn't the New York sun still around or the sun in some form? And some is form. this me like what shaped it? <laughs> yes. So it's kind of like you know, Bat Boy, like the article yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, it's all it's all the same. Like this is the grandfather of them, for sure. And the fallout was mixed. Uh, some readers were amused by the hoax and believed Locke's creativity uh, to be a real thing. Others felt deceived and then criticized the New York Sun for misleading the public. The scientific community was also divided. Uh, some were finding the hoax as a cautionary tale about skepticism, uh, which good. <laughs> and others felt that it undermined the public trust in legitimate scientific discoveries. Which, and yet others maybe became cryptozoologists. <laughs> and yet others maybe became cryptozoologists. The Great Moon Hoax of 1835 left a lasting impact on media and public perception. Uh, it highlighted the power of storytelling, the thirst for sensationalism, and the challenges of discerning fact from fiction. Issues, of course, that are still relevant today, perhaps more than ever in our digital age, uh, like your reptile men, these conspiracy theories bloom because of the technology we have of communication. And so it just spreads like wildfire, like it always has. But it reminds us to uh, be critical thinkers and that skepticism is essential when encountering extraordinary claims, such yes. as <laughs> lizard men. Um, <laughs> Or a moon civilization. Um, I think it's too funny that ours are so similar. Yeah, it's like, a, I didn't even think about it at the time, but it's a pretty good capstone to it. Um, <laughs> so, it, and it also talks about the delicate balance between scientific curiosity and the responsibility of media to present accurate information. It also reminds me of about 100 years later, uh, in 1938, the general public would again be amazed and terrified by another fictional story that some believe to be happening in real time. And I'm referencing what's on the screen now, which was an article about the War of the Worlds from Orson Welles, his radio play. But that's a story for a totally different day. But also fascinating. But also fascinating. <laughs> And super interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the cryptozoology thing. Yes. We need to do an episode or something because we live relatively close to the International Cryptozoology Zoology Museum in Portland. I haven't been. I want to go so bad. It's really fun. It's we really need to do fun. it. I will gladly go back. Um, oh, so it good. was such a blast to go. They have a lot of wild stuff. And I think that would be a super fun episode to do um, of like a a new offshoot that's in the mix that we're that's what I we're was planning just thinking. For. Yeah, we haven't announced it yet, but offshoot, um, <laughs> offshoots coming or like secondary mini episodes, if you will, yeah. potentially in between other episodes, if you will, potentially lots more to come on that. <laughs> tm 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 <laughs> um yeah well this was funny to me yeah I, that's perfect every once in a while ours like are a slight nod to each other's even oh so actually before we uh wrap this whole thing up with a bow yeah what is the california reptilian person so not the california reptilian person but I, I love stories and I love folklore and I love modern folklore too. I think it's fascinating. Um, and it gives me the same feeling that like learning about Greek mythology did when I was a kid. So I will go down rabbit holes. Uh, and one of them was about, I, I swear, and I could be wrong about this, um, but there's like a tunnel opening somewhere around Los Angeles. Oh. Like that's supposedly where like there's a migration thing, and if I'm wrong, please blast me. Absolutely. Um, uh, but I I'm pretty, pretty sure I remember hearing that, and it was just one of those things where you're like, 
like specific to the reptilian race? I'm almost positive about the Do you under... hear about what? Oh man. Now I gotta know. I see something about I did a quick Google as we're talking and I see something about okay. Central Australia. Oh okay. man. Uh, oh, I'm so curious. I see something about Angela Merkel. <laughs> um, okay. Yes, she's one, apparently. Yeah, clearly. Um now I'm so curious. Did you okay? I will also say my husband and I whenever we travel we did not stay in a hotel for this travel we stayed in an airbnb just outside of los angeles it was amazing but whenever we stay in a hotel and i used to have to travel a lot for work now it's every once in a while but so i was watching this a lot because i thought it was absolutely hilarious ancient aliens yes i love it is that is that where you heard this potentially (laughs) no i'd heard this before ancient aliens um but that show I found so it's the underground catacombs, catacombs of LA's, of LA's lizard, lizard people. people. Yes, right, I found so the same thing. Oh no, I see a vindicated. And I'm scared. Oh my god, I wish I had found this. Um this is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That oh, apparently, yeah, wonderful. there's a belief that this Los Angeles magazine article that um, it's an urban legend of LA that an advanced race of humans created an underground city about 5,000 years ago. Wow. I am sad that I missed this uh, tourist <laughs> trap. But then uh, again, your feigned <laughs> ignorance, I might be able to see through it that you're like, no, of course. Yeah, no. I'm not from not. the never. underground catacombs. Uh-uh. I'm definitely never. Oh my gosh. Apparently it's uh, shaped like a lizard. <laughs> mm. Oh my gosh. So it says that it's from Elysian Park to yes. central, the Central Library. That was so funny. We definitely walked all over it then, um, but uh, sadly I failed to do the walking tour of the lizard portal and instead did the walking tour for food. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will tell my husband, I guess we just have to turn around and go on back. That's right. <laughs> what? How mad? This is just wild to me. I just can't. <laughs> I'm going to read this article in great depth. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah, now. me too. <laughs> oh, Mike, as always, such a pleasure. Yes, always wonderful. We're going to tell some people how to hear more. Maybe they yes. want to. They found us from this episode and want to hear past episodes. Like where, what, where can we go? Listen, you can go to pretty much any social media. YouTube. We're talking YouTube. We're talking Instagram. We're talking TikTok. Um, at OKWTF okay, podcast. Um, and Mike, if people mm. want to correct us or yes. add more information, or tell us their own OKWTF stories, where can they do that? I would love if they could send us an email and maybe address it to hello at OKWTFpodcast.com. Yes. And there's also on our website, www.OKWTFpodcast.com, a Google form of which mm-hmm. you can submit a story. Um and that might be a good thing to do too, because there's a little checkbox there saying that you have the rights to tell the story. So maybe do that too. But yeah, we want to hear from you. It can be weird. It can be creepy. It can be funny. It can be whatever. Um, and we will find a way to weave it in as we progress on this podcast journey. And of course, any updates you can find there, but you can find us on all of your streaming, listening podcast spaces of choice. So mm-hmm. uh, what a joy what a joy wonderful see you mike i'll see you around thanks for getting weird with us submit your own okwtf stories for us to share by visiting www.okwtfpodcast.com and stay in touch on all the social platforms at okwtf podcast Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to OKWTF on your streaming service of choice. 
Thank you so much to Out of Flux and Ayal Talmudi for the use of their song, Da Boom Jiggle. And thank you to Blue All Starwire for their incredible cover art. Until next time. <laughs>